morning, everybody. Hey, my name is Brad. I'm the pastoral intern. Love to just give a, a big warm welcome uh, during this service, say that we are so glad to have you here. I'd like to go over a few announcements. First up is I ask if you could check in for us, please. You'll see that information right behind me. We love knowing that you're here, whether you are a first-time guest or you've been here for a very long time. We always like to keep up with you. Uh, so if you could, please do that. There's also a blue, a blue little card that sits in the seat right in front of you. You can sign that and fill that out as well and put it in the foyer. Uh, we just love to know how we could pray for you. We love to keep you filled in on what's going on at the church. Our only other announcement for today is that our Wednesday nights have kicked off. Uh, they are a lot of fun. We're having a blast with them so far. What our Wednesday nights look like is from 4.30 to 6. We have a $2 meal per person. This week is lasagna. I just want to really point out that lasagna is delicious. <laughs> I'm already, amen, right? Already looking forward to it. Uh, but we have great dinners every single Wednesday, 4.30 to 6, $2 a person. And then we have a lot of different small groups to get involved with. We have uh, children's activities, students, adult small groups of all ages and sizes. We also have a Spanish small group. The one I want to highlight is Stetson Connections. This is our small group for people who don't really know what small group to go to. If you've ever thought of Wednesday nights and coming, but you're like, I have no clue where to go or, or who to be a part of, you would want to come to Stetson Connections. It is, it is very chill, uh, very great opportunity just to step in and get plugged in. All right, that's it for our announcements. Let me pray for us and we'll continue in worship. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us so we could just have a closer relationship with you and we could be your disciples. God, I pray this morning that we're here to worship you, that we're here for your Holy Spirit to work in our lives. God, that uh, we just, our goal is to draw nearer and nearer to you and look more and more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, come on, church, go ahead and stand up and worship with us. Praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy 
praise today. We sing all praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, and all praise to the Holy Spirit. You know, many times in our worship, we give praise to God the Father, we give praise to Christ the Son, but sometimes we forget to ask God's presence and God's Spirit into our worship and into our lives and to move through the needs in our lives and our prayer need. And I remember my first day of Bible college, the professor was C. Sumner Wemp at Liberty Baptist College back in the day before it was Liberty University. And he told us that the Holy Spirit is a person. And he made us write that down. And every day when we walked into that Bible class, he said, the Holy Spirit is a person. The, Holy, the person of the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The person of the Holy Spirit can be ignored. And as our worship today, Let's just be intentional to invite the Spirit of God into our worship and to move through our families and to move through our lives today as we continue to worship. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become
Spirit, we welcome you into our lives and into our worship today. Father God, we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for being an awesome God. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please be seated? see you this morning. We're glad that we have the privilege of, uh, of being together and uh, just asking the Lord to speak to us. I, I have a question to start with, and I'm not going to ask you to, to answer out loud. Um, and when you hear the question, you'll understand why I don't want you to uh, answer out loud. Um, what bothers you? Like I said, don't, don't answer out loud. Um, uh, what bothers you? You know, and I'm not just talking about, you know, well, you know, certain fan bases bother me. I'm sure that that's probably some of that. Um, I'm not talking about just, you know, like just kind of people who drive in the left-hand lane on the interstate. I mean, that bothers me. Actually, no, that's one you can, you can hold on to. That's, uh, that's one you can, you can uh, really grip on to. Um, now, you know, in our lives, there are many things that bother us. And, and, and I'm not just talking about, like, like I said, I'm not talking about those little you know, bothersome things. I'm talking about things that really dig into your heart. The things that maybe you lie awake at night thinking about and, and processing and dreaming up solutions to. Those things that every time they, crawl, they cross your, your computer screen or your phone or your television, it's almost you have one of two things. Either you rise up in, in anger and frustration or you say, get that off, I don't want to see it. It's that, it's that issue. I, I remember when, when, I was, um, when I was younger, there was a, a pretty common uh, commercial that would come on that was about hungry children in Africa. And they would show these pictures of these malnourished children, and it just dug at your heart. I mean, it, it really was. It was one of those uh, commercials that would come on that you would think, I don't know if I can watch that and not do something about it. Uh, today, it's the Sarah McLaughlin, um, you know, uh, the, the uh, animals that are stray animals and, you know, this... Oh, in the arms of the angels. And you're supposed to, you know, and, and, and listen, it's all trying to get you to emotionally connect with something. Now, that might, I mean, I might have just, I might have, some of you were like, well, I wasn't bothered, but now I am. And, and so the reality is that we all have those things that bother us, that are difficult for us in our lives. And most of the time, what we tend to do when something bothers us is we step away from it. Because it's just easier to distance myself from what bothers me than to get involved in what bothers me. Usually what bothers us is messy. And it's easier for us to just go, that bothers me, so I'll look over here. That bothers me, so I'll look over here. I'll just turn away from it, and if I don't look, maybe it doesn't exist. What bothers you? Now, I, I will tell you, we're going to look at a story, a, a part of the story of Esther today that is going to have kind of that attitude. And, and what Esther is dealing with is far greater for most of us than the things that bother us. But there is a principle here in this section of the story that lets us maybe Think about the things that bother us differently, and I hope, that we'll, I hope that we'll see something today that might give us a better way of addressing what bothers us. I, I couldn't help but when I was thinking about this and thinking about the word bother, there's a, there's a, a Disney character that comes to mind. You know that one, right? 
is poo. Because if anything ever happened in his life, I mean, his whole goal was collect honey, right? That was his whole entire life existence. And if anything happened, if Piglet got upset or if Tigger started bouncing too much or if Kanga or Rue got into trouble, what would he say? He would say, oh, bother. And it was that mindset of, I don't want to deal with this. I just want to go get some honey, right? I just want to go about my day. And yet there was this issue that he had to take care of. We all have things that bother us. Let's look at the scriptures. Esther chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right there in front of you. It's on page 412. I encourage you to pull out a copy of God's Word, either on a tablet or a device or whatever, just so we can read along together. Let's look at the first couple of verses. It says, when Mordecai learned all that had been done... Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. And he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. Quick review. We talked about about this last week. But basically what has happened is the king's second in command, Haman, Dun, dun, dun. He is the enemy of the story. And he has issued a decree through the king that the Jewish people are going to be eliminated from the face of the earth. Because Mordecai, the guy here, disrespected Haman and wouldn't bow down and worship him like everybody else did. Haman got so upset that he went to the king and said, it would be best if you would just remove these Jewish people from the face of the earth. And that's exactly the edict that was issued. Mordecai hears about it, and he is overcome with grief. Now, in the world that we live in, in the, the culture that we live in, many times we are sad about something. We are upset about something. We actually sometimes mourn and weep over things. But usually, in the culture that we are in, we tend to weep and mourn and grieve quietly and privately. And you know how I know that? Because from time to time, I will see somebody that is upset, visibly upset. You can see it on their face. You can see it in their demeanor. And you go up to them and you say, hey, what's wrong? And what do they say every time? Nothing. Because we're not, in our culture, we don't weep and mourn and grieve publicly. We weep and mourn and grieve privately. We kind of keep it to ourselves. I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm just saying it's true. But in the Middle East, and in Bible times, they did not weep and mourn and grieve privately. They wept and mourned and grieved very publicly. So much so that they're literally, we see this over in the New Testament, there were literally people that would hire themselves out as professional mourners. If you had somebody die in your family, you could hire some mourners to come over and go, oh, oh, isn't that wonderful? Don't you want more of that? Oh, well, that's what Mordecai found himself doing. He dressed himself in such a way that it would show that he was not okay, that everything was not going well, and he would walk around the streets of Susa going, whoa, making sure that everybody knew that it was bad. Now, when we consider the situation, the annihilation of his people, we would say, yep, that's, um, that's pretty bad. That's a pretty bad situation that he's got there, right? He, he, he went so far as to mourn in the city streets, but then also right up to the gate of the king's palace. He didn't enter the gate because no one was allowed to enter the gate wearing sackcloth and mourning because, oh, we don't want to mess up the king's utopia. But he went there because he wanted to be seen. He wanted people to ask. I even think that he might have wanted Esther, his cousin, whom he had taken into his home as his daughter. He probably wanted Queen Esther to know that he was upset. Well, she learns. 
she learns that he is upset. And this is the next section of the story that I'm just going to share with you. It's all written there. You can read uh, along. But basically, she learns of it, and she sends some clothes to Mordecai. She says, listen, you need to get out of the sackcloth. You need to get, put some clothes on. I don't know what's going on, but you need to make sure that, that you don't look so sad. I mean, we are in a foreign place, in a foreign land. I'm in the palace of the king. You need to be okay. Mordecai sends the clothes back and says, I don't think you understand what's happened. And Esther calls to herself one of the king's eunuchs, one of the king's servants. And through that servant, she begins to communicate with Esther. So this servant named Hephak is basically carrying information back and forth. It, that's interesting in and of itself because it is, a, it is one of the king's servants, not one of Esther's servants. So pretty much anything that the king's servant knows, the king is probably going to eventually find out. But Esther throws caution of the wind, she sends a message to Mordecai and says, what's going on? Mordecai realizes, I don't think she's heard about the edict that has been issued. She doesn't understand what's going on in the culture. And so he sends word back and says, it's really, really, really bad. And you need to do something about it. You need to go into the king and you need to speak for your people and help us. We are in trouble. We're going to die. We've got 11 months, and it is not going to go well. Pick it up in verse 10. It says, Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai, this messenger, back and forth. He says, uh, She says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. If we go in and we go to the king and we go into his presence and he hasn't called us, there's only one thing that can happen. And that law is to be put to death. Except, there's one exception, except to the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. He says, listen, the only way that I can not die is if the king receives me by holding out his scepter. Not exactly sure how all that works, but that's what happens. She says, but as for me, <laughs> I have not been called to come into the king for these 30 days. So for the last month, the king has not summoned me, and I don't see it coming anytime soon. If I go into him, I'm going to die. Okay, great, you want me to do something. Well, what you want me to do is you want me to go into the king and try to plead for my people. But the king has not summoned me. He hasn't summoned me for the last 30 days. I don't see it coming anytime soon. And if I go into him uncalled, he'll kill me. You sure you want me to do that, Mordecai? Mordecai responds. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in, all, that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. <laughs> Mordecai basically says, listen, you're Jewish too. Don't think that you're just going to all of a sudden be okay just because you're the queen. You're Jewish too. This is not going to go well for you either. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, this is Mordecai's faith and belief that God's chosen people will be preserved. He doesn't know how, and he doesn't know when, but he does believe. He says, but you and your father's house will perish. <laughs> hey, you are a Jew, and you are a Jew that is known to the king. You are a Jew that is, that is in the presence of the king. Do you think that you're going to escape the sword escape the annihilation, escape the genocide? Do you think that's going to be okay? No, you and your family's uh, household will be taken. God will do what he does. But, oh, Esther, this is a threat to you as well. And then he utters the statement that's probably the most famous out of the book of Esther where he says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, maybe everything that has happened up to this point was so that you would be in the place where you are for the situation that we are so that you could do something about it. Esther, maybe God had a plan all along. 
Esther, we didn't know why you got named queen. Esther, we didn't know why all of the terrible things that have happened up to this point, and if you were to go back, if you haven't been here, if you were to go back and read through the story, you would see that there are some terrible things that have happened up to this point. Maybe God used those terrible things to bring you to this place for such a time as this. Maybe God can use the disaster of the situation to save his people. Verse 15. It says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do, then I will go to the king though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And that's the end of the story for today. Esther basically says, okay, you've won me over. I'm asking you to gather all the Jews together And all of you fast from food and water for the next 72 hours. And I'm going to do the same. And my women servants are going to do the same. And then I'll go into the king. And if I die, I die. She is overcome with the need. She realizes that there's a struggle here. And she says, I'll do what needs to be done. Now, it's interesting for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why this particular part of the story is interesting is because if you were to to go backwards a few chapters, you would see that when the young women were brought to the king so that he could choose a queen, you remember they underwent a year of beauty preparations and right diet. There was a certain way that people were supposed to eat in Persia. And so they made sure that everything was taken care of in a certain way. And now Esther is saying, you and all the Jews fast from food and drink for 72 hours for three days. And I'm going to fast and, uh, from food and water for 72 hours. And then I'll go into the king. Let me give you a quick news flash. Some of you have never tried this and I don't necessarily recommend it. But just hear me. If you choose to not eat for three days, at the end of those three days, friends, you are not going to look your best. It's just your your body is not made for that to be sustainable. It, you will lose weight, you will lose water, the, skin, the, the color of your skin will begin to fade, it, it, you're, you will be weak, you will struggle. That is, part of, that is part of this situation. And so Esther is basically saying, I'm going to, by my commitment to uh, discipline, I'm going to make myself undesirable and then go into the king whereby he might kill me. Great plan, right? I'm thinking if I'm Mordecai, I'm sending back a message saying, we'll fast, you eat, right? We'll fast, you make sure that you are presentable and so that when you approach the king, he might receive you. But that's not what happens. Instead, at risk of her life, she chooses to fast. Now, uh, there, are, there are several different opinions on this idea of fasting in this particular moment. Most scholars agree that because in this particular case, Esther does not say fast from food and drink and pray, some scholars believe that maybe there was no prayer associated with this fasting. If you're familiar with fasting, then usually fasting is pushing something aside, whether it be food or drink or a lot of other things that we can say, this is a habit of mine. I'm going to push it aside for the purpose of being able to focus that time and that attention on the Lord in my time of prayer. Fasting and praying is a common spiritual discipline. 
and a very powerful one. I don't know if you practice fasting, but it is a powerful spiritual discipline. But in this case, many scholars agree that probably Esther, through time of maybe losing her connection with the Word of God through her through the the Jews' time of of uh, captivity in Babylon and now Persia, they may have lost the idea of fasting and praying. So it's very possible that their entire focus may have only been on fasting. It may have only been on, we're just going to do without. And yet, we know that fasting should come with a focus on the Lord. So she makes herself into really an undesirable person by her appearance. And she says, I'm going to go in to the king. And I'm going to try to stand up for the people of God. And if I die, well, I'll just die. Now, again, that's an odd place to end the story. But when you're reading through a narrative and when you're preaching through a narrative, there are going to be some things that we're just going to have to stop. And so I, I'll say this again. I encourage you to read the whole story of Esther all the way through so that you can understand kind of how everything fits in. We'll pick it up next week. But I do think that there are a couple of principles that we can see here that are important and will help us to think about those things that, do you remember, bother us. One thing that we can see in this scripture and in this story is that, now, I told you what bothers Esther and Mordecai is going to greatly outweigh the things that bother us. But what bothers them is their oncoming death and the genocide of their people that's i would say that's pretty serious i would say that would be more than a bother right but it certainly is a concern but rather and pay attention to this rather than mordecai and esther saying man that is going to be really bad in 11 months i'm just not going to think about it i'm just going to turn my back on it I may, maybe something will happen. Maybe somebody will do something. Rather than that, what happens in Esther and Mordecai's world is they choose to turn toward the need. They choose, rather than putting it behind them and eliminating that bother or that concern they choose to turn their face toward the need i remember hearing a pastor say one time um, that in those moments where those commercials come on that bother us so badly rather than facing away from it we actually need to discipline our minds and our brains to look at it because if it bothers us that much maybe god has placed something inside of us that we are actually supposed to be a part of the solution sometimes when we are bothered by something the reason that we're bothered by it is because god has put that burden in our heart for a reason it's not so that we can turn away from it. It's so that we can turn toward it. When we turn away from what bothers us, it's like we insulate ourselves from the need. And we need to be willing, as the people of the body of Christ, we must be willing to turn our faces, our hearts, our lives, our minds toward the need. And not try to eliminate it by looking away. We've got to be willing to face the circumstance and the situation that bothers us. And then what do we do? Okay, great. I've turned toward the need. It's bothering me more now, Pastor. I, all right, I'm willing, but I don't like this. I would be, it, it was easier for me to eliminate it, but I get it. It makes sense. Maybe God has put that something in my life and in front of me so that I will be a part of it and part of the solution. Well, how can we be part of the solution? Here's the second part. Turn toward the need. Number two, do something. Is that simple enough? Do something. Do something. 
I, I wrote this down. Our obedience is God's ordinary means to accomplish his extraordinary plans. Sometimes our obedience is God's ordinary means to accomplish his extraordinary plans. Do something. Sometimes God puts us in positions of opportunity and he empowers us to say, yes. Sometimes God places a burden on our hearts and he says to us, the reason I place this on your heart is because I want you to do something about it. I, I, uh, I shared a quote in the first service, and I made the statement that um, nobody really knows. I, I, I don't know who uh, originally said this quote. And then between services, people kept sending me links and quotes about who said this quote. And do you know what all of the links and quotes said? It said that we're not really sure who said this quote. So you can attribute this quote to Pastor Dan Glenn. You've heard it before. All that is required for evil to be victorious is for good men just to do nothing. Now, I, I know some of you are like, that was Edwin Burke. No, it wasn't. And so it was John F. Kennedy. Well, he did quote it, and he attributed it to Edwin Burke. But listen, the, the important point here is that Pastor Dan Glenn said... All, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, let's not worry about who it's from. Let's worry about the truth of it. All we have to do to let evil exist and survive and thrive in the world, all we have to do is nothing. But when the body of Christ chooses to be so bothered by something that we do something, Led by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Word of God, impassioned by prayers to the Lord. We must do something. When we're bothered, do something. When we say things like, you know, somebody should. I want you to write this down over, the, over your mind and your heart. When you say somebody should, I want you to remember this phrase. I am somebody. Somebody should take care of that. Somebody should say. Somebody should step. Somebody should meet. Somebody should handle. I am somebody. Don't let it be about others, but be so bothered that you're motivated to do something <laughs> doing nothing should really never be an option for the body of Christ it really shouldn't friends we must do something we must allow the Lord to lead us allow the Lord to guide us pray about how he would have us to take the next step and do I, this might be, when you don't know what to do, do something. Something. Take a step. You never know. God might use that one step, that one moment, that one word. God might use that, that small step of obedience to solve the issue. To accomplish the plan. We need to turn our faces toward the need. We need to do something. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a world where the body of Christ, the people of God, just woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm going to quit letting things bother me 
and I'm going to start doing something about it. Because, friend, listen. The enemy and those who don't believe in Jesus always do something. You know it and I do. The enemy is always willing to do something. We, many times, are the ones that hold back. Because I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to... I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to make anybody angry. Oh, I just don't want, oh, I just don't know how it would work out. If the Lord has laid it on your heart, turn toward the need and do something. Let's pray. God, um, that seems so simple. And it just seems like, well, sure, obviously, we don't want to just sit around and do nothing. We want, to, we want to be people that are active. And God, we hear that and we feel it, but, oh man, it's so hard. And so God, I just pray that even in these moments, even these last few moments that we have together, God, that you would speak clearly to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you empower those moments of, of unrest And help us to see that in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the midst of the things that bother us, you have placed us there for that time, for that moment, for that situation. And God, you have placed us there because you desire to use us as your solution. So don't let us back down anymore. Let us be willing, Father, to do something. As you continue to pray, I, I just believe that in a room like this, there's probably a lot of people that say, yeah, there, I, I, I've, got, I've got one of those. I've got one of those issues or one of those situations. It might be in your family. It might be with your kids. It might be with your parents. It might be at your school. It could be at work. There might be something that, as I say, what bothers you, you're like, oh, man, I've got, I've got that thing. And, and, and you know what it is. And right now, you're saying, God, I know you're calling me to do something, but I don't know if I can. I'm scared. I don't want to step up. I don't want to stand out. I know you've placed this on my heart. I know you've placed that conversation or that person or that situation on my heart. I'm just, I just don't know if I can. I just want to simply pray a prayer of empowerment over you. Pray a prayer of courage over you. So if that's you and you say, yeah, there's something that's bothering me and I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but I just, I'm scared or I'm nervous or I just don't know if I'm going to be able to follow through. If that's you, I'm bothered and I need to do something. Would you just slip your hand up in the air? Yeah. Anybody else? I just need to do something. It might be big, it might be small, that's okay. (laughs) Trust me, in God's eyes, they're all big things. If we're following him, it's going to be big. Yeah, anybody else? I'm bothered by something, I need to do something about it. It might be something in your own life. I need to do something. Anybody else? Father, for those hands that have been raised in this room, God, I just pray that your spirit and your power would just fall in this room, God, and that they would realize that you've already empowered them. You've already given them the gift. You've already given them what they need. And so, Father, I just pray a spirit of courage. God, I pray that you would indwell their heart. Holy Spirit, would you just motivate their life? God, would you give them the opportunity over the next 24 to 48 hours to take a step? to do something. And God, when that moment comes, will you just prick their heart? Will you just allow their mind or their vision to say, that's it, there's the moment. And God, I just pray that they would be courageous, that they would take a step forward, that they would be bold, that they would open their mouth, that they would take that action, that they would be your light in a darkened world, in a darkened situation, in a darkened circumstance.
And Father, I just pray that on the other side of what bothers us, God, I pray that you would prepare hearts of, of, of receptivity, God, that, that there would be people that would be willing to, to see that there's a passion there and that we can all be better because we are following you. God, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege of knowing that regardless of the circumstance that we're going through, God, you've already gone before us. You've already begun to prepare hearts. So God, just make us bold in opening our mouth or taking the action or having the conversation. God, we desire to see things better in this world. And as the body of Christ, we want to be a people that are willing to do something. So Father, would you just use this moment to empower us to accomplish your will in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna sing one final song that just talks about the fact that regardless of the circumstances we face, we can know that God is always with us. So let's worship together.
Thank you so much.